Lord with us on today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me into Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. says and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of the God he stood by the lake of Gennesaret well I've practiced that all night he was standing by the lake and he saw two ships standing by the lake and the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship and now when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught and Simon answered and said unto him master we have toiled all night and have taken nothing nevertheless at your word I will let down the net then and when they had done this they enclosed a great multitude of fish and the net break and they beckoned unto their partners which were in other ships that they should come and help them and they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink amen I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on something that I believe that probably everyone here can relate to today. I want to talk to you about being empty. Have you ever found yourself empty? Got good news for you today. God is drawn to emptiness. Amen. He is drawn to emptiness. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your eternal word. I thank you for your presence that is here today speak into our hearts and into our lives we thank you God that we don't have to have a great shout to know you're in the house we just need your presence and God your presence is more than enough for every situation and every circumstance and your presence is with us today and for that we honor and give you thanks and praise we ask you today as we share your word that your word will find a lodging place let it find encouragement strength help and hope to someone today in Jesus' matchless name, and amen, amen. In this passage, Jesus saw two boats, and he noticed that be taking her sons away from her. Whenever the word of the Lord comes to her in the midst of her emptiness and begins to speak into her situation and, and says, what do you have in your house? You know, whenever we are in a place of emptiness, the enemy always wants us to look at what we don't have. But God wants us to focus on what we've got. Because you see, it is not what you don't have, it's not where your victory is going to come from. 
what you do not have is not where your joy is going, the source of your joy is going to come from. But it is in that that you have left, in the midst of emptiness, in the midst of what is going on in your life. And he began to refocus her and say, what is it that you have in your house? And she said, I have a little bit of oil. Amen. He knew that if God had given her oil before, he would give her oil again. And so he begins to declare to her, you know the story. He declares to her and says, I want you to go, go to every one of your neighbors, go everywhere you can and borrow the vessels. And he said, make sure they're empty. Hallelujah. He wasn't saying, I want you to go see if you could get somebody to give you some oil. Find somebody, see if they can give you some flour. Find somebody, see if they don't know. He said, just get empty vessels and bring them to me. Amen. And the Bible declares that they went out. They received all of the empty vessels that they could find. And when they brought them back to the empty place, the Bible said that they took that cruise of oil and began to pour out into those empty vessels and you if you've read the story you know that they filled every single one of those vessels could you imagine the, the, the thoughts that went through her mind could you imagine what she was thinking when she took that little cruise of oil and filled up the first vessel and the oil started coming to the top I see nobody's going to help me up in here today but I'm telling you, I would have been excited if I just had a little cruise of oil and now suddenly the man of God says, pour this oil into that vessel and it rises to the top. And he says, go ahead and fill up the next one and begins to pour it in there and oil still coming out. Praise God. And the Bible declares that she filled up all of the vessels that they had and he says to her, bring me another one. And she says, we don't have any left. Praise God. But watch this. The scripture declares that she and her sons was uh, taking care of on that oil all of the rest of her life. Not only did it take care of her, but it took care of another generation glory to God. I'm telling you today that the power of God, some of the greatest victories that you will ever have in your life, some of the greatest manifestations of God's power that you will ever see will be in the place of emptiness. When everything in your life seems to be extracted, when there nothing seems to be left, but God in his power and his glory reveals himself in your situation and says, I want you to know that you may be empty, but I can still do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or even think, according to the power working in you. Amen. In John, we see that Jesus took on this same spirit whenever he started his ministry in John chapter 2. Jesus is mother and he is at a wedding, right? And he is there and, and, and Jesus' mother comes to him and says, they're, they're out of wine. <coughs> they're empty. How many know whenever you're in an empty place, most folks when they're empty aren't joyful? Wine represents joy, represents the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we're in empty places, we, we tend to take on the nature and the atmosphere of the emptiness. 
amen, they were empty. They didn't have any joy. They didn't have any Holy Spirit. They were empty, amen. And Mary comes to Jesus and says they're empty and they need some wine. And Jesus begins, you know, that the, the dissertation, the, the, the vocabulary that was given there, the, that between Mary and Jesus, but the end result was she says to the disciples, whatever he says, do it. Amen. Whatever he says, do it. He tells them, we're going to deal with this emptiness. And once again, he tells them, just like in the Old Testament, he steps into the New Testament, into his time of miracles, and he says, I don't need anything to begin with. All I need is an empty vessel. All I need is a, a something that you can be able to, 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 to put into what I'm about to pour out. Amen. I'm telling you today that some folks, uh, they uh, take themselves out of the equation. They say God can't use them because of this, because of that. But I want to declare to you today that God doesn't need anything but emptiness. And in the midst of your emptiness with you and you alone, just being a vessel to him that he can pour himself into you. You don't need ability, talent, thank God for all of that. But what we need is him what we need is his presence what we need is his anointing in our lives and if we have his anointing we may not be gifted we may not be able to sing we may not be able to teach we may not be able to do all the things that people will give you accolades for but if you were empty and allow him to fill you with himself I tell you it will be more than enough in every area of your life. If you're full of him, you can change a person's life. If you're full of him, your situation can change. If you're full of him, you may be empty, but just let him fill you full of himself and see what changes in you. Amen. He tells them to go get empty water pots, right? Tell your neighbor, he said, get empty ones. He tells them to get empty water pots because he's attracted to places where there is need. He goes to where there is deficit and space available for him. If the pots were full, there would be no need for Jesus. If they had all the wine they needed, if they had all the joy they needed, there would be no need for a miracle. But the fact that the water pots were empty, the fact that the wine had run out, it made a demand for the presence of Jesus. It put a call upon him to do something about the situation. And the scripture says that they took those water, went and got those six water pots and they filled them full of water. Amen. You know the story. We've preached on it many times, but it was a transition. It was not a long-term thing. It wasn't something, he didn't even put grapes in it. He didn't say go fill it full of grapes, huh? He said fill it full of water. 
And something supernatural took place in the midst of that act of obedience. I want to say to you today that even in the midst of emptiness, when we are obedient, it may seem foolish. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But if we will fill it, he said, fill it full of water. water. And they did. And the Bible says that the king said, this is the best wine that we've ever had. Glory to God. I want to tell you today that that is the things of your life in the midst of your emptiness will be some of the greatest opportunities for God to reveal his glory in your life. He will show himself strong and he will show himself mighty and he will say I don't need all of this. Thank God for all of that. But when everything is stripped away and there is nothing left but emptiness God still can rule and reign and show himself strong and mighty in your life. Amen. He's attracted to places that are made available to him. I believe it's very important for us to remember that Jesus did not step into a full vessel, but he stepped into an empty boat. Why is this important? Because we need to realize that he only comes to places where there is space made for him. How often do we say we want God yet we fail to make room for him in our lives. We're all probably guilty of this at one time or another. But I want to say to you today that, that it, is, it is awkward. Have you ever, have you ever been invited to, to some place and, and even though you were invited and you showed up, you, you felt like you weren't really expected to show up? I mean, there was 20 seats in the place and you was number 21 and you graciously waited to be the last one going through and you didn't even get a hot dog. You got a little Coke set down on the floor because you realized that there was only 20 seats in the place. I wonder if God doesn't feel like that sometimes. That we say we want him, but we've never made room for him. We say, God, we want your presence. We want your anointing. Like we sung here today, and I'm not saying that we didn't sing it from our hearts. I felt his presence and a pull upon his anointing. But I want to say that we've got to be hungry for the presence of God and say, God, what, what I'm wanting is more than what the, this world can give me. What I want is, God, if, if, if I, it was found in food, then I would go to food. If that could be found in money, I would go and worship money. But what I'm needing today can't be found in food. What I'm needing today can't be found or bought with money. But it is the precious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, his anointing and his glory that will come and fill our lives. And I declare to you that one millisecond in his presence is worth every moment that you seek him. Amen. If you ever get in his presence and he begins to come into your situation and your circumstance, it doesn't take him long. It doesn't take him six months a year. He'll throw his weight around in a millisecond and he can change the trajectory of your life in a moment's time. Why? Because he's good and he's powerful and he's great. And if we realize that and we'll surrender ourselves to him, make room for him in our lives, he will show up. Amen. 
Sometimes this is what we do. We say we want God, yet we make no room for him. Jesus only goes to where space has been made available for him. It's not, it is interesting to note that the boat Jesus chose to step into was Simon's boat. More likely, Peter was disappointed by the empty vessel. He was a fisherman. He had toiled all night. He was a professional fisherman. He knew how to catch fish, but he had been out all night long and been disappointed perhaps because when he came back in, his vessel was as empty as it was when he went out. He was a fisherman that wanted to catch a boatload of fish. It would be important to him perhaps to, to come in so that all the other fishermen would know that he knew his business. But in the midst of this coming to the dock, he finds himself empty. He finds himself in lack. He finds himself in need. And here Peter was finding himself in this empty place with, I don't know, it, the Bible doesn't say how that the other people came into dock. But I know that there's times in life whenever we come into dock and we don't all come in full. I don't, I don't, I'm not begrudging other people's victory. I celebrate with other folks, huh? I found out if you can't celebrate somebody else's victory, then you'll never get one yourself. Amen. But you've got to learn how to celebrate what God has done for somebody else. Amen. And Peter, no doubt, he was, he was, he may have been, uh, felt empty. He felt abandoned. He felt like that all of this was going against him and perhaps everybody else was coming in with a boatload of fish. I don't know. But what I do know is Peter's boat was empty. It left him in a place where that he said, you know what? I know that I, I am I'm empty. I know that I haven't fulfilled the purpose. I know that I have lack in my life. But the good thing to understand about this is that if his boat was full, Jesus would have had no room to get on the boat. But the fact that it was empty gave Jesus an opportunity to step into an empty vessel and reveal himself in a brand new way in their lives. Praise God. You see, if God gave us everything we wanted when we wanted it, there would never be room for him in our life. There would be no available space. You would be so full of everything else that he couldn't find a spot. Amen. Don't ever forget your emptiness attracts Jesus. He's attracted to the need. He's attracted to the deficit. He loves stepping into an empty vessel and empty lives, empty circumstances, empty situations. And more likely, like you, Peter was extremely disappointed about the emptiness that was in his life at this moment. It's not fun to be empty. Turn my mic up. They can't hear me. I said, it's not fun to be empty. Nobody likes it. It's not an enjoyable season. 
But the truth of it is that in that emptiness, it is where that we, God, begins to be drawn into our situation. It's a difficult need. It's an uncomfortable place. Amen. But it's your emptiness that attracts Jesus to where you are. It causes him to desire you and go after you. Amen. It causes him to be drawn to where you are because he says, this is an opportunity for me to show my power. This is my opportunity to show not only them, but those around them that it's not them, but it's me that is doing a work in their lives. I'm telling you today, when we call upon him in our emptiness, he will hear us and he will come to where we are. Amen. It it makes him want to step into your life. Amen. Not just for the sake of stepping in, but he actually wants to fill the empty space. He wants to meet the need. He wants to cancel the deficit. This is clearly evident by the fact of both the empty boats in Luke chapter 5 because so full of fish, the Bible says, that they both began to sink. Brother Gary, I wondered if Peter would have fully obeyed the Lord, what would have happened? Because he just partially obeyed the Lord. Jesus told him to throw out the nets, plural. And the Bible said Peter threw out the net, singular. And yet, even at that, both of the boats began to sink with the great drawl of fish that came in. Amen. It's God's will to fill our empty space. He he wants to, to sink us with goodness. He wants to sink us with grace. He wants to sink us with his blessing, his mercy, his favor, his presence. Amen. He wants to fill you so full that you can't hold anymore. He wants to overwhelm you with his weightiness and with his glory and with the fullness of his blessings. Amen. And I'm telling you today, that is God's good pleasure. I said that's his good pleasure. Let's look at how Jesus filled these two boats with fish. I want to use it just for a learning thing today. First thing is this. He did... What he did is this. He used this empty vessel as a teaching lesson. Jesus taught them from where they were. And he teaches us from where we are. He teaches us from whatever level we are on. But I specifically want to point out that these two boats also represented the fishermen's place of failure. These boats were what they used to take out to fishing. They fished all night from the boats and they caught nothing. They had no results and they came back empty-handed. They had no success. Their boats represented the place of their failure. But when Jesus taught them from Peter's boat, he demonstrated from the place of their failure, he taught them a thing. 
And I want to tell you today that Jesus used their failure to teach as a teaching tool to reveal to them how they, they could take their past failure and make it a future success. Amen. He teaches them how to discover the reason for their failure and cause their faith to begin to be renewed that now they could be optimistic and they could approach that they didn't have to take the boat out and go again and come back empty. But now they could be optimistic because they've learned from their place of failure and they begin to believe that we can go out and we can reap a harvest the next time we go. Next, Jesus instructs his disciples. He says, says to them to hold them, told them to launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a drought. This was not the conventional instruction. All the good fishermen, if you study during this day, it went against every conventional instruction for fishermen because They knew that if they were going to catch a lot of fish, they needed to fish at night and not in the day. And they needed to fish out uh, at night, but in the deep. They also knew that they were not going to fish if they were going to fish during the day, that they needed to fish close to the shore and not in the deep. So the instructions did not make sense. I don't know about you, but over the years, the Lord has given me instructions that rarely make sense. Huh? Instructions that don't logically make sense. Usually they go against conventional wisdom. They are opposite of what in the natural you would think that you're supposed to do. And this is definitely the case in our text. Jesus told the fishermen during the day that they should launch out into the deep. He said, I want you to go out in the midst of the day. He told them to launch into the deep, not near the shore, but in the middle of the day, go into the deep. It made no sense to logic, but it was exactly what God said. He, Jesus told him, he said, this is what you're doing. You're doing it wrong. And so you just obey my voice and I'm going to show you what I can do. Amen. If we want blessed, which is beyond natural reason, then we are, have to be willing to do something and listen to the instructions that goes beyond natural reason or logic. We've got to learn how to trust the word of the Lord we've got if we are tired of empty vessels if we're tired of empty lives if we're tired of the emptiness then why not trust the word of the Lord and say God I'm going to trust you I know it makes no logic I know it makes no sense but your word is true your word is powerful your word is life so I choose to trust the word of the Lord and obey the word of the Lord amen Verse 5, Peter began to reason with Jesus and explain to him why, why his instructions would not work. Huh? Have you ever done that? Have you ever told God why it wouldn't work? Two of you. Bless the rest of his hearts. Pray for us. Amen. Because I've had some discussions with God. Not that it matters. 
because we know he's all-powerful and all-knowing, but, but I've had some discussions, reasons with, reasoned with him why this would not work. But he assures Jesus, I like what Peter did. He, he said, we've toiled all night long and we came back empty with no results. He said, we did what we know works, but it didn't work. But somewhere in the midst of reasoning, he reached a turning point. Somewhere along our walk in the place of emptiness, we've got to reach a turning point. And he shifted and took, took place in him in a transitional moment in Peter. And it seems like that almost in the midst of conversation, you see the shift take place. He says, we did what we know works, but suddenly there was a shift and he said, nevertheless, hallelujah, nevertheless is a, 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 a word of shift. It's a transitional point. He said, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to do what you told us to do. I see today my assignment is to put a nevertheless in you today. A nevertheless, get in your spirit. I came to put that in your spirit this morning that even though that this you may have done what you know works and it hasn't worked, but you've heard the word of the Lord and you're willing today to say nevertheless and not put your faith in natural reasoning and natural working. I put to come to put that nevertheless into every reason and everything of your life that you say, God, I'm not going to worry because the enemy comes and he'll tell you that God's, God won't save your husband. He won't save your wife. Your grandchildren are never going to be saved. But I come to put a nevertheless in you today. Amen. I come to put a nevertheless in you whenever the reasons come and the enemy says God won't heal your body. He won't deliver you from bondage. He won't give you prosperity. He won't give you hope. He won't give you a future. But you rise up in your vocabulary. A spirit in your spirit comes a nevertheless. I know that my body may be sick but nevertheless I believe the word of the Lord. I know that my children are acting crazy but nevertheless I believe they're being saved. Amen. I know that the circumstances of my life are troubled and it seems like that it's empty and nothing is working but nevertheless at your word I will call on the name of the Lord. I will give you praise. I will honor you and it's in that pivotal moment in our spirit that we begin to say I know what is happening in the natural but nevertheless I believe the report of the Lord I believe the promises of God I believe his word and I'm going to trust his word nevertheless at your word yeah. 
For every word of hopelessness that's spoken over you by the enemy, just declare nevertheless. If the enemy says that your husband will never get saved, rise up and say nevertheless. He will prophesy. He will declare the word of the Lord. He will be a, he will be a priest in the home. Praise God. If he tells you your son is struggling and will never come in, declare nevertheless. All my house shall be saved. When he tells you that you'll never be healed, tell him that God has already healed me. And by his stripes I am healed. Amen. When he tells you that the enemy is going to overtake you, tell him nevertheless I am the head and not the tail. I always go over and never under. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. When he tells you your family is not going to make it, your marriage is not going to survive, get a nevertheless less in you and say I'm going to believe the word of the Lord over my situation if you believe it give him some kind of praise right here this morning hallelujah it's time to stand on the word of the Lord just one word can change everything I know I say that a lot but I believe that Peter got out of the boat on a word and he walked on one word. Jesus said, come. But he shifted the other way, right? And he began to look at the natural instead of the spirit and began to go under. I want to tell you today that we have to believe the report of the Lord. We have to believe the word of God over our lives. It's the key to our victory. Amen. Sometimes you just have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Yes, you do. Nevertheless, at your word. What do I do in the meantime? You just stand still and see the Lord. You just need to stand, be standing when the bell is rung. Sometimes you just have to outlast the things you're going through. Amen. Many of the battles you eventually win are simply because you were too stubborn to quit. And you held on to a word from God. And you outlasted your storm. And you can keep standing. Stand by yourself. If you have to. Stand with many, stand by few, or stand alone. Shammah got sick of his situation. And he said, I'm going to go out here in the midst of this emptiness and I'm going to stand. In the middle of my pea patch. And this Philistines aren't going to take my peas another year. Huh? Are you walking with me? For those who may have not have read it, 2 Samuel 23. Shammah's in the midst of his pea patch. He has a word from the Lord for Israel that this is not the way that it is supposed to be. 
that the enemy is not to sweep in and take their harvest at harvest time every year. And Shammah goes out in the middle of his pea patch and he stands there all by himself. And the Bible says in verse 12, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. You see, sometimes all we have to do is stand and the Lord will bring the victory. Shammah stood in the midst of the battle and he began to slay the Philistines to the right and to the left and he stood his ground and he was standing by night. He was standing on the word. He was standing on what God had given him. And sometimes in the midst of our emptiness, all we have is a word from God. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the direction. We don't have everything in order, but we've got a word. And Shammah held on to the promise the word of God and slew the Philistines and he kept his harvest do you know today that the battle you're facing whatever you're going through whatever you're dealing with has absolutely nothing to do with what is behind you it has nothing to do with your yesterday or your past but it has everything to do with your present and where you're going he is trying to stop you from getting your harvest he is trying to stop you from getting your promise but I come to talk to somebody today who may be struggling with an emptiness of your life to tell you that just one word from God, hold on to that eternal word, proclaim that word over your life, get a nevertheless in your spirit and stand on that word and be like Shem and say, I'm not giving up the harvest that has been promised to me. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to get a bulldog spirit on you. Amen. Amen. You know, back in the day, and I, every once in a while, I still like enjoy putting on a suit and a tie and all of that. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I thank God that that day's over because them things like to kill me. But I remember whenever you had to, you know, have long sleeve shirts and ties and suits and, and, you know, and you even had to put on long sleeves under the suit because that wasn't holy if you had a short sleeve one on. And you'd burn up. And Renee would tell me sometimes she'd say, you look real good whenever you get all dressed up. But said by the time it's over, you look like a bulldog with rabies. I said, well, I can't help that. But I can tell you one thing. There's some things worth fighting for. There's some things worth standing your ground for. And I know that it's a pea patch, Shama. But it's not the peas that he's after. It's what it represented. He said, I'm not about to allow this enemy to come up into a place that I've labored and toiled and fought so hard for just to see you take and take everything away and destroy this harvest that has been promised and given. And he rose up with the word and said, nevertheless, I'm going to stand my ground. I want to tell somebody today, your family's worth fighting for. 
Your children, your grandchildren, they're worth fighting for. Your health, your life, your salvation is worth fighting for. Amen. And you may be in an empty place today, but I want to tell you that God's grace will find you. If you call on the name of the Lord, there's no place like a place of emptiness that will draw his presence into your life and minister to you today. Amen. Stand with me, please. I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case, an empty place, if not for grace. Where would I be? thankful for his grace today hallelujah maybe today you say pastor I'm in that empty place I'm dealing with that place I just need God to come to where I am I need him to minister to me I need him to speak into my life today all I need is that word but I just want him to draw be drawn to where I am and in this empty place I want him to reveal his goodness his grace his power his mercy whatever it is that you may have need of today would say, God, I just want you to meet me in this place today. If that's you, if this word is for you, I want you to come this morning. 